This is The Tone Control, episode 00002. Fixin' Bullcrap since 1983. I'm Justin Newton. I'm Derek Yeah. So last time we didn't talk about <laughs> last time we didn't talk about anything about who we are. So this is going to be the episode for the non telepaths in the audience. Psychopaths. Yeah. Oh. Telepaths. Yes. <laughs> okay, Derek Heideman, who are you? I. That's a really broad question. <laughs> so I guess like the what, quick version. What we want to know, what you probably want to know, is like who we are and like why. You should listen to us in regards to guitars and gear and all that and all that stuff, right? That that's what we're going for, right? Yeah. So I've been playing guitar since uh, about I was in eighth grade. Since then, it's been like nonstop. I own way too many. I have too much gear. I'll be the first one not to tell possible. you that. But, I, but I'm not getting rid of any of it ever. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Which is kind of a half truth, but whatever. Trading doesn't count. Ah. Uh. Um, <laughs> You're That's just like turning that money right around. Congressional level loophole right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've traded a few guitars in my day. Sure, sure. So what I've do you do in here with me now? So my what do I do? Like my day job, I am a graphic designer. Has nothing to do with music, nor does it have anything to do with my college degree. <laughs> Applause. All right. Yay. Yay. So stay in school, kids. Right. But I'm a graphic designer for a tech company in Connecticut, even though I live in New Hampshire. What? I work from home. Mm-hmm. Moved yep. for a it's band, a, right? I moved for a band. So, well, and, and you know, my wife to be. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a good reason. <laughs> Not just some kind you know of. Bum. You know what's great? Beth doesn't listen to the podcast. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Justin Newton. Uh, I am an audio engineer. I've been playing guitar. I've been playing guitar for a while. Um, I've I'd been in bands since uh, way back in high school. Um, started off as a singer, and uh, at some point I played bass in a metal band, which was a lot of fun. I had a bass guitar for quite a while. Um, you don't still? Oh, no, I, I do. I oh. do still have that same bass guitar. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things kept changing, and I decided I wanted to pick up a guitar so I could start writing songs. At one point, I didn't have a band, and that sort of was my impetus to get a guitar. And um, I'm not great at guitar, but I kind of wanted to do it you know to be able to write songs and work on music and stuff by myself and and since i'm an audio engineer and i always have been that too i've since a long long time and that's what my college degree is in so i got really into the gear of it and so even though i'm not i'm not a great guitarist uh and i don't have a ton of guitars uh i am really into the gear and because I'm an audio engineer, I'm really into the gear and the tone of everything. And so what I do have, I've really um, put a lot of thought and a lot of listening into. So that's, in t- that's why my perspective like, matters. Like really. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, so one little side note, it's like a perfect example that being technically proficient isn't everything. Like a guitar being technically proficient isn't everything. Yeah. Like, you know, w- what you're saying is, is, um, I'm saying like, 
like we can probably come across as really snobby about guitars and really snobby about gear and music and that kind of stuff. It sounds like but me. At the, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like that, that's who cares? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't care. matter what, whether, well, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> All the gear in the world isn't going to help you write better songs. No, that's true. And a great guitarist can pick up any crappy instrument and sound, you know, make music. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a long, not a long time ago, but kind of once I like started getting more into gear a little more closely, mm-hmm. I changed my, I guess like my perspective on guitars is like, f- instead of being like, I play this guitar, or I play that guitar. I just play guitar. Like I mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Oh, this has a different fret size. Or, oh, I don't like the scale length. Like, sure. I have favorites for things like that, but like I, I play and guitar. That, that was a perspective shift for you. Right. And it kind of, I think it, I may have not gotten physically better at guitar, but I feel better at guitar because of it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, so this show, and then, sorry, as far as perspectives, like you had, you had said like, you know, audio engineering. My my perspective is from a a recording, a live sound. Uh, I, I'm an audio engineer first and a guitar player second, but I am really into the gear of lots of different instruments and I pay a lot of attention to the instruments because I have to work with all of them. I have to work with drums. I got to know the ins and outs of drums and bass and, and guitar and vocals and horns and everything. So right. that's my so, perspective. So in my perspective is from a, also a guitar player standpoint, but I don't know nearly as much about audio engineering. I'm more in the like hobbyist slash gigging slash being the studio musician mm-hmm. side of things. So like how this is going to, how this piece of gear is going to play out in practice and why I prefer this guitar over that guitar mm-hmm. nine times out of 10 sort of stuff. So yeah. It's a little more like ideas on paper versus how they work in real life kind of thing. Sure. Anyway, I don't know if it would like be helpful to people to know like sort of what kind of gear we play to get that idea. Yes. Proceed. So, tell us, Justin Newton. So, yes. Yeah, so, I play a, a single channel handmade uh, boutique amp. It's not, it's uh, designed by a guy I met and it's not, uh, it's a one of a kind. Um, it's similar in circuit to an orange kind of like a 30 watt ish. I don't know exactly how many Watts it puts out because it's not, you know, it's a one of a kind design that was never really drawn up. It was just sort of built. And uh, I put in front of that my Effectrode tube drive pedal uh, for my distortion channel, basically. And, uh, and I actually leave that on all the time and I roll the volume back on the guitar to get a clean tone. And I built a little pedal to do that for me, uh, which I'm sure will come up at some point in this podcast. So that's my main guitar rig. I have another amp that's kind of more of a studio thing. It's a, a dual uh, EL84 amp that um, that has a really neat... It's got a post-phase inverter master volume, which is to say the master volume, you can, you can run it totally cranked on the input and roll the master volume down so it's bedroom level, and it will just be blowing up. So that's a really cool feature that that amp has. Use it around the studio quite a bit, so... I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. I mean, you use other pedals, right? You have. I do. I have. Um, yeah. Yeah, I may as well do everything. So a sing- the single channel amp, my my guitar. There's, there's not much left. <laughs> yeah, my guitar is a Telecaster that I built over the years from parts, just slowly replacing the parts. So now it's all my design, basically. Um, it's my blue Telecaster with the white uh, bindings, and I have a Demarzio. Uh, fast track T in the bridge position, um, which I think is a really great 
humbucker for a Telecaster, and it has a lot of treble-leaning sound that a Telecaster is supposed to have. And I find that it really cuts through a lot of uh, distortion channels really well, and I find it's a very powerful-sounding guitar. So, uh, yeah, I'm playing that into my little volume rig that I talked about. Um, for so I have a basically a switchable volume setup and my yeah it's like a it's like your standard Ernie Ball volume pedal but it's just on a switch it's not an expression pedal it's a it's a You're volume right. knob in a pedal in a true bypass configuration and right. um, it has a special little thing that I put in there a little tone shaper um, which I think makes it it, it uh, retains the chiminess of the guitar as you turn it down rather than it getting muddy so let's see from there. What's the next pedal? Boy, I haven't looked at that in a little while. I've been I've been in the studio a oh, lot. Uh, I haven't dug up my board. You built a compressor. Oh yes, that's right. I have a, a compressor that I built from a kit uh, from Build Your Own Clones, which uh, I've built a few of those kits now, and those are those are pretty nice. So it's a little optical compressor. Um, it's not the really rubber bandy kind of sounding one, but it's a slower type, more more of an invisible kind of compressor, and so I. I use that, and I have a full-tone Super Trem, Tremolo, and my TC Electronic Flashback Delay. And I believe that's the only thing that's currently in the pedal board. I have a few other things laying around, and I sometimes mess around with it, but that was my current playing setup. So is it my turn, I guess? Okay. Yeah. Derek, what's your rig? My rig? Ugh. I use, um, saying it's modded is generous, uh, off-the-shelf Fender DeVille 410. So I say like saying it's modded is generous because we've replaced the tubes many times over the years. It's got a different... Yeah, it's got an AT7 in the first valve. Right. So if you have a DeVille or you know anything about Fender amps, I guess, they are blisteringly loud. The usable (laughs) volume was between two and a half and three and a half. And three. Yeah, Yeah. it was so loud. 60 watts, um, which I realize... You know, I've thought about, oh, maybe someday I'll get a uh, one of those 65 twin reverb reissues. Those are 85 watts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 212. Anyway, mm-hmm. so my amp is a 410 DeVille with an AT7, like you said, in the first first uh, valve. So I could get it up to about six, five or six mm-hmm. on the volume knob. It's got a, the same a gentler curve. In, yeah, in that. so it's, it kind of feels a little squishier to me, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But other as far as guitars go, I have a lot, but my main guitar probably forever and always will be my American Strat that I've had for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a standard 2001 American Strat rosewood fingerboard, maple neck, mm-hmm. you know, usual stuff. So um, kind of a it's a white. I don't know. If- it's a white. It's white blonde is the color. So if Fender nerds are out there, it's white blonde, which means certain things to certain people. So you can see a little grain um, through it. Yeah. Oh, it's an ash body too. Mm-hmm. My number two is my 72 Telecustom reissue, which I got a couple of years ago. Black, artificial, anodized, gold pickguard. It looks wicked. Yeah, pretty <laughs> sweet. Um, which I've thought about replacing the pickups on. It's got a Fender Wide Range humbucker in the neck, which is like kind of your atypical humbucker sound, but they're, I really like it. But the bridge pickup is what I've thought about replacing with something kind of a little hotter output, maybe. Is it just the single my- coil that came with it? It's just a standard telly single coil. Mm-hmm. I thought about putting in like a twisted telly or something fancy like a something more well, like a Seymour Duncan mm-hmm. special, you know, whatever those are. Antiquities if I could afford them, but not mm-hmm. really. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then I've got a bunch of other guitars. I've got a Les Paul that I've had for a long time, which I don't really gig with anymore because it's a little too sentimental. I don't want anything to happen to it. I've got 
a GNL ASAT classic, or no, ASAT tribute, I'm sorry, which is basically a telly, but it's a ash body, maple neck, maple fingerboard, humbucker in the bridge, single coil in the neck. Mm-hmm. And it's got split. the... It's got the relic look, but it's real. I traded it. I traded a uh, Epiphone dot for it because the guitar was too big for me. Yeah, it's like somebody had a sticker on it and they removed it, and then the finish is all scuffed up where it was, or they were going to refinish it or something. Some of the it's a polyurethane finish, so you tighten mm-hmm. the screws too much, it cracks. So there's some cracks in it. Yep. The neck is just like completely bare. Somebody, you know, a lot of people like that satin feel to their guitar necks. Um, which I do also, but this is like bare wood. There is no sign of any finish anywhere on it. Yeah. And because it's a maple neck, they stripped the finish or sanded the finish from it as well, and resulting so- in like a slightly scalloped fretboard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, certain songs are harder to play than others on that guitar because of that reason. You kind of get stuck under the string, oh. I've noticed. But it's a fun guitar. I love the bridge on it. Six saddle, brass, barrels. It's awesome. Mm instead of like the standard three vintage style right but it's cool it's it's a good guitar um what else i just recently traded a delay pedal for mexican strat a red standard strat which plays great the Mm -hmm. guy who owned it before me did uh i don't know if actually he did it but the neck is really great it's kind of been knocked back on the finish Mm. demarzio super distortion in the bridge uh standard single coil in the middle which is kind of mediocre you know and uh, a half-broken DiMarzio. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what is that? I can't remember the name of it. Dude, I don't even know. Pro, Pro Track? I think it's a Pro Track, which is like a, it's like a PAF clone pickup, but half the coil is broken, so it's a PAF single coil, mm-hmm. which is like, <laughs> doesn't make Derek, a lick of sense. <laughs> yeah, Derek came over to my house. He had, he had traded for this red Strat, and he had this pickup that we found in a, we found a, a broken Stratocaster pickguard backstage no, at a show we found we found this is what this is what happened we get to the show there's a strat a squire strat body in the corner and it's split you can tell it's a three-piece body it's uh, split yeah. through the finish it's like you cannot save it the glue is like gone and and it's got this pickup in it and it's a demarzio twin blade humbucker for single coil spaced thing mm-hmm. and i was like look at that somebody's clearly not coming back for this so i grabbed it cut it out you know, snipped the wires, shoved it in my case, and what, two years later, finally put it in a guitar? Something like that, yeah. You, you traded for this red Strat, and you come yeah. over, and you're like, hey, swap this into, what do we do, the, the neck it's position? It's in the neck position, and it sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I swapped it in, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're sitting there in my living room, and I solder it in. We turn, I go to test it, and it, it's nothing. And I start looking at the wiring, and I'm going, what, what is going on? I tried, I tried uh, doing it in series. I tried doing it in parallel. And then I, I just I got out my multimeter and I just started started testing and seeing where I got any kind of uh, connectivity through it. And I found somewhere in that one of those coils is broken. So I unwired that coil, and so half of it's running. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that pickup is supposed to sound like. I don't either, but it's you know of an equivalent output. You know, it's not quieter or louder mm-hmm. than the rest of the guitar, which is great. Which probably and means sounds, that the pickup with both coils would have been really loud. Would have been That's what I was hot, expecting. Yeah. But it sounds awesome. I love that mm-hmm. that neck pickup sound. It's like really creamy, but whatever. That was bullcrap, but it's fixed. Okay. Fix him fix him bullcrap. Fix him bullcrap since nineteen eighty three.
Mm. And then I have an acoustic. I have a broken bit to bits SG back here. I have a <laughs> another acoustic oh, yeah, that's that, not actually mine. That, I have a bass. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have a guitar lele in the corner here. Mm -hmm. I, I got all the. I have too many frets. Guitar lele. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's a six string ukulele. Yeah. You play it like a guitar. Sweet. It was great. But it was a gift. Best gift ever. Mm -hmm. um, and then pedal board. Okay, so I'll just go through in order because that's the only way I can ever remember it. Yep. Old school Ernie Ball volume pedal with the input and output on the same side, which is the most infuriating thing in the universe. Um, into a Vox Wah, which I think was the first guitar pedal I ever bought. I've had that thing for a long time. Hmm. Into probably the second guitar pedal I ever bought, a Boss PH3 phaser, which I've been looking to get rid of and replace with something much better, such as the Empress phaser, but I don't have 350 bucks laying around, so I can't just go pick one up. Mm -hmm. Into a Boss, um, what is it, a TR2, the Tremolo, the Boss Tremolo. Tremolo 2, yeah, TR2. Those, those are the two shame pedals on my, my pedal board. <laughs> They're, but um, I, I use them, and like I can't get rid of them, really. I'd like to replace them, but it's a little cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then what? Uh, TC Electronic Vortex Flanger, which is awesomeness. I keep it on the tape setting, and I love it. Into Exotic Effects EP Booster, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. I love it. Sometimes it's like on just as a clean tone. Keep the volume, keep the gain knob off, essentially. Mm -hmm. It just adds this nice little thing. Yeah. After that, BK Butler Real Tube Tube Drive. Um, after that, oh, after that is now my new Fuzz Pedal, my new Fuzz Face Mini. Mm -hmm. I just put it on the board yesterday. After that, uh, what is it? TC Electronic Corona Chorus, also great. I used to have, or I still have a EHX small clone, but it's a little bit of a one-trick pony, so I got this thing. Mm -hmm. And then one pedal I don't think I could live without, my TC Electronic Flashback X4, which is like the Line 6 DL4 equivalent if you're not familiar it's the new the new mac daddy it's awesome three three delay banks looper uh tap tempo before you tap turn on the pedal tap tempo yeah um just way better sounds like the delays just are way better samples than the line six one mm -hmm. there's a few things it does that i'm not like thrilled with but i'm overlooking them because it's just a just a much better pedal all around. It's got MIDI in and out, so you can sync it up, like, for reals. Well, good. <laughs> I, I can't wait to futz around with that. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, the first thing in the chain is a TC Polytune, which we talked about last week. Yes, yes, I have a tune or two. I didn't mention that. I tune oh, my guitars, uh, I promise. Yeah, so that's it. Tune then your guitars, into, kids. Straight into the front of the amp for me. That, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I find rig rundowns for people interesting because everybody likes to talk about gear it's talking shop so we thought maybe you the listener would care <laughs> maybe they do maybe they don't maybe they do maybe they fast forward until right now if you're just joining us we've just finished our rig rundowns <laughs> sorry that took so long <laughs> <laughs> so what is this podcast for why did we do this is it just because we wanted to stay in touch now that we live on two different sides of the Eastern time zone? No, because we had talked about doing this. It was kind of a joke. Hey, let's start a podcast. Yeah. For a while. And then we were like, well, wait, maybe we should actually start a podcast. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. 
you do it. Maybe you. So we decided to do it. We wanted to talk about guitar gear. Um, here's just something we I kind of looked around, and it didn't seem like there was any podcasts that were focused specifically on this. And um, so, that's more what, importantly, I think the perspectives. Yes, that's right. And it's kind of kind of right. the, the real thing here. Yeah, Derek, more from a player's perspective, and I'm going to come at it more from um, from from a listener, from a, a very critical listener, because I'm recording guitarists and. Uh, being being very uh, picky about things that I record and things that I hear and things that I want to hear and things that I don't want to hear when when making records and mixes and stuff. So, so we, that being said, I guess um, maybe maybe anything, a third perspective can come in here from from time to time. Right. Yeah. We fully intend. I well, at least I fully intend. I don't know about you, but <laughs> on like occasionally phoning in a friend and like seeing what they have to say about this or if they've got something they really just like want to talk with us about, talk about gear, talk about this new thing they got. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. So absolutely. along with that, if you've got ideas or suggestions or, Hey, have you seen this? Yeah. Uh, please let us know. Cause we're, we're totally into that and we're not, this is not an exclusive kind of thing. It's, you know, we're, yeah. we're on the internets and we're able to talk with you guys all the time. So send suggestions and uh, you know, uh, story ideas, things like that. Anything you want to, have a discussion about send into tone control show at gmail.com we we have some some friends that i know are are interested in coming on the show and i have some other people that i'm interested in asking and i'm sure there's some people out there that wouldn't mind we're not gonna yell at you if you send us an email and say hey i think my perspective could be a good one uh on a discussion yes yeah absolutely do it so do it now it's time twitters for, we're, oh you want to do that yep 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 what you, hey, 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 Derek, can uh, this listeners is, follow this you on Twitter? Like, yes, this is like the last little thing, and then we're going to get into like do a real news show. and like actual cool stuff. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I am on the Twitters. Uh, ready? Here we go. At D L H E I D E M A N N. D L Heideman. That's me. My last name is hard to spell and sometimes hard to say for people. So, D L H E I D E M A N N. Oh. Sounds good. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well at JN Tracks. J N T R A C K S. Get it? Uh. <laughs> Those are also our website addresses. Yep. So if you put a .com at that, you can find us. Yeah, we're pretty much those usernames all across the web. Mm-hmm. So, so you can probably guess what we're going to be on Skype or something, and then you can bother yeah. us on Skype. Yeah, which I never use. Yeah, because reasons. Because reasons. Okay, <laughs> off topic. So, Back to topics. All right. So news, news, news. Ah, news. Uh, news. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna blow through this some of this stuff. Okay. This there's this thing called the Foxy Lady Project. Everybody knows about like the guitar books you see at Barnes and Noble, coffee table books that just have big prints of guitars and like historic guitars and like oh that's, that's nice to look at. I own a few. I don't know if you do, but like you know they come in as gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, this is we were getting this from GuitarNoise.com again. Uh-oh. This is the Foxy Lady Project. It's the life-size guitar book. So it's a book with... It's about the size of a coffee table. Wow. Of um, 61 legendary guitars of the 20th century, photographed and printed life-size. Holy cow. And so it's the guitar on the right page and a description and like information about the guitar on the left page. Just kind of a cool thing. Like I don't know if I'd ever want this or own this or whatever. You need but a big table really cool just to look at it. 
Yeah, it's definitely something I would enjoy looking at, I think. Some of these like really famous guitars you yeah. can see life-size details of instead of a little thing in a magazine or on a website yeah. or whatever. So if you're into guitar porn, uh, this is basically yeah. the blow-up doll of guitar porn. <laughs> it's the mother load. Yep. Um, all right, so then there's this thing I kind of want to get into a little bit moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson uh, Guitars, Gibson Custom Shop USA, I don't really know, has released this limited run for 2013 called the Benchmark Collection. Okay. Uh, and that is a collection of guitars that are distributed to a, like a limited number of exclusive dealers, one of which is Wildwood Guitars in, I believe it's Colorado. If you, I don't know if you're looking at this link here, but the collection they have are like really top-notch, as you might say, benchmark models mm-hmm. of these Les Pauls, Flying Vs, 335s. And they're all a little different, and it's the kind of huh. shop where you would go, the kind of guitars you would go and play all four and then choose one. Yeah. You know? Interesting. So they're very expensive. Yeah, so they some are. Of these, this, they're, they're in the five, four to five grand range. Seven, at actually. <laughs> at least, yeah. So this 59 Les Paul Heavy Aged Lemon Burst is $8,200. Oh, my God. For example. Wow. Lots of money. So part of the, the one thing I want to talk about is that some of these guitars do not have traditional wood fingerboards. Hmm. Some of them do. Some of them have rosewood. Some of them have what is called rich light, which Gibson is putting on a lot of their guitars these days to kind of save money and kind of stay out of trouble with the FBI. Yes, they did get in some hot water there. Yes, I don't know if you or the listener has followed any of that, but Gibson got in a lot of trouble for importing illegal wood basically yeah there's there's some rainforest woods that were really famous for their use in guitars for a lot of years and nowadays you're not allowed to cut that tree down anymore and somebody got caught cutting that tree down anymore (laughs) apparently so apparently so so, the the fingerboard is made of what's called rich light instead of rosewood or even ebony but the th- interesting thing is it's not across the whole Benchmark series. So anyway, so I'm looking here at the Benchmark Les Paul Florentine Custom, which is a Les Paul custom with F-holes. Awesome guitar. About $4,400. And my point of view is like, if I'm paying $4,400 for a guitar, I want rosewood or ebony or a real wood instead yeah. of rich light, which is, according to the Wikipedias, a dense material from partially recycled paper. It's like a composite so, but I mean, material. What if it's better? I mean... It's, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> so is it better? L- let's, let's talk about fretboards. What's the difference, Derek Heideman? Uh, I've always, I've generally always played Rosewood. I had, I had a couple of, um, actually the first two necks on my Telecaster were maple. And uh, now there's a Rosewood on it. My bass has a Rosewood. My Les Paul has a Rosewood. I, I don't know if I could tell the difference. For me, it's all about. It's all about feel. I've heard that maple is brighter because it's harder wood. Hmm. But, you know, strats and tellies have maple necks, so it's kind of hard to tell. For me, it's about having an unfinished rosewood fingerboard or a finished maple fingerboard. Right, right. And I don't like the feel of, like, a plasticky finished maple Mm -hmm. fingerboard. As you'll remember from my rig rundown, the one maple fingerboard I own is unfinished. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So so you'd have to feel it. I mean, it sounds like if it's a composite material, they probably don't have to put a finish on it. They don't. Uh, and from what I can tell, it like people say it feels like rosewood. It sounds like rosewood. I don't really think it looks like rosewood. It's dark, mm-hmm. but it's got a much 
they kind of put a grain on it, quote unquote, you know, but it's, oh, great. doesn't have, doesn't have that same kind of feel under your fingers. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's like a resin. Yeah. That that's mixed with some chemicals and then it hardens and then they can plane it into fingerboards. Yeah. I guess, I guess what I don't understand is like why some of these guitars have rosewood and some of these guitars have rich light. Yeah. And I don't know if it's from like dated wood supply that they already own or if they're getting around it somehow. Is it American rosewood that they can grow? I don't know. For a while they did baked maple, which they were leaving unfinished. It was a slightly lighter brown than rosewood. Interesting. So this yeah. is like one of those. I've never played it, so I can't really speak to it. But it's it's one of those like, I don't know, kind of traditionalist sort of point of views. Like, do you care that it's not rosewood? Right. Or do you care like how it feels and sounds? I have a feeling like I might notice how it feels and that might bother me. But Yeah. <laughs> although on this guitar, you're practically playing on these square inch humongous uh Yeah, that's right. Square the, pearl inlays. The inlays on that are pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. I like the block that's, inlays. Me too. Very good. Especially on the first fret. That's classy. Mm. Oh yeah. Wow. So if you have a thing about Rich Light, if you know about this, let me know, because i got to get to the bottom of it. And yeah. I don't have the means to get to a Rich Light-equipped guitar. Somebody <laughs> who's played Rich Light and can compare it for us. Right in. Yeah. All right. Fender, Stratocaster, and... Nope. What? Nope. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh. Oh, snap. <laughs> the Fender, Starcaster, and Coronado are back. Oh. What? What the what? I'm being redirected. <laughs> you may have heard of this. You may not have. So years ago, like many, many years ago, Fender had these two guitars called the Starcaster and the Coronado. Uh-huh. And they're hollow body, kind of bigger body offset waist guitars. They look the like... The Coronado m- is an offset, I'm it, sorry, it, but... It looks a little melted. It looks a little melted. It's like... The offset bodies that, always look melted to me. They're very dolly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of like Fender's of the time, you know, response to the 335 style mm-hmm. rock and roll guitar. They did not sell. People didn't like them for what I think is a pretty obvious reason. <laughs> yeah, I think they look like uh they Dumb. they look like Can I let me, All right. You tell me if this is an okay description, but I think they look a little bit like uh you accidentally slammed your penis in a car door. <laughs> they look like an accidentally slammed in a car door penis. I would say... Is that an edit point? It's accurate. Look at the headstock on the Starcaster. <laughs> I'm looking at it. What does that look like to you? It, I, I'm thinking it looks like a very painful penis injury. So these are these are kind of updated from like many years ago. They've got... Um, two pneumatic bridges, stop tail pieces, that sort of stuff. They're just like kind of brought back into the modern era, you know. So I, I'm sure they play great. I'm sure they sound okay. Oh, but like whatever. They, You'd they, be laughed out yeah. of any club you play. All right. I, maybe I shouldn't say that, but come on. All right. Now I'm looking at the Coronado. This guitar is better, I think. Hardly. Visually. It's taller than it is wide. Like like when you're in the playing position, from, yeah, you know it's yeah. a big guitar. So you're right. It looks kind of like a like a jazz kind of body, but it's kind of flatter and it's just weird looking. And it looks 
it looks like a baby guitar. And I don't mean it looks like a guitar for babies. I mean, like, <laughs> like when you see a baby alligator and you're like, oh, my God, it's actually kind of cute when it's a baby. This is a baby guitar. It's actually kind of yeah. cute because it's a baby, but it's not really for playing. That's what I see when I look at this guitar. So it's got this like 60s style post CBS era neck bound neck block inlays, you know, trapeze tailpiece, tunematic bridge and like these filtertron style pickups, which I'm sure sound fine. But if you uh, head to the Fender, like announced these at some big festival, mm-hmm. not announced, but they kind of brought some out to some big festival and they did a video on YouTube and um, it's on YouTube and they're interviewing all of these hipster bands, which is like, I'm pretty sure the only market for these two ugly guitars. <laughs> right. You so have the to top want to comments, look ugly. You really do. <laughs> right. And like, sure, some famous people have played these guitars. What's his name from, uh, not Ben Gibbard from Death Cab has played a Starcaster. <laughs> what, what did not um, Ben Chris, Gibbard Chris think Walla. of it? Oh, well, I thought he, we were I mean, doing a know. thing where we called him not Ben Gibbard. <laughs> I think he played a Coronado and like, you know, Death Cab is like, they're a big deal. Mm-hmm. So the, the, uh, the, at least at the time, I'm not sure now, the two top comments on the video where they're announcing it to these bands and these bands really, you know, hipster bands are kind of like, Oh my God, the Coronado. Oh my God. The Starcaster. It says, who the fuck are all these people? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm reviewing the comments. (laughs) So this is, this is kind of a double whammy here. So like, who are all these people? Like, I don't know any of these band names, but whatever. People love them. That's fine. I'm sure these guitars are just fine. Yeah. And then the other one is kind of the other direction a little. This is why I love Fender. They listen to people and give us something decent, whereas Gibson just releases tons of Les Pauls in different colors. Love you, Fender. Yeah. Which I could not agree with more. Next comment. Many congratulations to Fender by these unknown musicians. But can I hear a note from these guitars or not? Yeah, because it was just a big video of them being like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, it's back. Uh." Uh, (laughs) The minute I I played it, I knew it was great. Well, let's hear it. Can you, uh, I mean, okay, on a YouTube video, if you're demoing a guitar, can you tell what that guitar sounds like or feels like? You have to play a guitar for yourself. So I think as an advertising model, what they're doing is they're saying these people who are cool people who are famous for being musicians and, and you, who you must like because you're watching this. Yeah. Like (laughs) we're going to assume that you're into these people and would at least marginally value their opinions. They think these are cool guitars. I think that's all you've got to say. So I'm, I'm defending Fender on this one. I think that's all you've got to say because play the guitar. What am I going to do? Okay. It sounds like a guitar. I mean, I could play my guitar and make it sound like, you know, do all kinds of weird EQ to the tone and what's going to come through in an, in a YouTube video, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, anyway, my, the thing is, it's like, I just, I don't know why they brought these guitars back. It's like, I didn't really feel that amongst the community, there was this huge demand for these, Yeah. but who knows? I mean, back, back in the day, Les Pauls didn't sell very well either. And they even stopped making them Mm -hmm. and now it's the guitar. So who knows? I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe we'll see them on season four of Portlandia. I bet we will. Yeah. Full so, tone okay. Super Trem 2. You have Super Trem 1. I do. And my dad has one too upon my recommendation. He was looking at a tremolo. He even asked if I could build him one. Um, and, and you were like, nah, nah. Well, nah. tremolo circuits are pretty complicated. I couldn't build him one for really for less than he could probably get one 
it, it, it's just it was going to be a t- it was going to be a tough build, and frankly, I didn't think that I could do better than some things that were already out there, including but not limited to the full tone super trim, which I had. And so I said, here, why don't you try this? It's about twice as expensive as the price range you are looking at, which is to say, it's like one hundred and ninety dollars or one hundred and eighty dollars or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think something like that. It's something. Yeah. It's something big. At least it was when I got it. And but uh, it's it's really high quality yeah stuff. He, he was looking I mean, to spend a lot less than that he i brought it over to his house i left it with him and the next day i was like so did you get a chance to play that pedal and he goes oh i already ordered it because he just turned <laughs> yeah. it on for a second which is like oh like it, it has this organic feel it's an optical tremolo it has uh great big knobs in the front so you can manipulate them with your feet um so you can change the rate and uh uh, and intensity and stuff, the the rate and mix actually, which is in my opinion from a from a recording engineer's perspective, a mix is a better way to do intensity. Um, you're mixing yeah. your your uh, affected signal with your dry signal. Um, right. It comes out sounding more natural. Um, so yeah, so this this pedal is amazing, uh, and now there's a super trim too. Right. So, but yours has three switches. It's got bypass, and then it's got hard soft, right, and then. There's one more. It's right? uh, hard, soft, and fast, slow. So you can basically okay. there's a there's a switch that doubles the speed, doubles the rate um, that is that the rate knob is signaling. Um, so you basically you can get you have the full throw of the rate knob, and then if you double it, you like the second half of the rate knob has a second half of throw. It's sort of right, right. sort of weird, but once you once you turn it on, if you held it in your hand and switched it and watched the light go, you go, oh, I get it. Um, right. And then there's a hard soft, which is sort of like the knee of the, the tremolo sound. Um, it, it'll either swoop or it'll sort of cut. Um, and it doesn't sound clipped when it cuts, but it's, it is much sharper. And, and I've actually found that um, the, my favorite sound on it is the hard setting with about a 50% mix. Because it does end up sounding, it still sounds smooth at 50% mix, even though it's a hard clip. Um, it's not poppy or anything. Well, it's probably... It's probably equal parts, obviously, wet dry. So, right, right. So yeah. it it does have this sort of soupy effect. But when I put it on soft mode, it um, the soft mode is what you would use for a tremolo effect that you didn't want people to go, oh, he's using tremolo. You would it, right something you only hear on sustains. Yeah, something that you just go, oh, there's a little there's a little modulation going on there. I wonder what pedal he's using. You know, um, just a little effect. But if you want it to yeah. uh, pulse like a tremolo, you want to use the hard setting. So tell me about right. the Super Trem 2. So, okay, Super Trem 2, uh, it's got, it doesn't have the three switches. It's got two on-off and a tap tempo, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome because I don't think you see tap tempos on tremolos typically. No. That's um, usually something reserved for delays. Now, does that mean that this pedal has to be... No, okay. So it says here, but there's no digital sound processing chip. Um, so apparently they're using they're uh, keeping an all analog circuit and uh, manipulating the rate with a tap tempo. That's very neat. Right. So it's got a rate knob, a mix knob, and a volume knob, mm-hmm. which is interesting too. My Boss Tremolo has a severe volume cut issue, which right. they all do. The Boss but. right. The Boss Tremolo only the maximum throw of the Tremolo is your normal volume setting, and then it goes down from there. The right. the Super Trem One has an internal trim pot for the volume. So you can actually set up a slight boost. <laughs> My dad actually uses the pedal. He he plays jazz guitar a lot, and he uses his super trem. Um, he starts it with the mix all the way off, um, mm-hmm. and he actually leaves it on all the time because he likes the little. There's a little bit of compression that analog circuit gives to his tone. He uses it as sort of a tone brightener. 
um, nice. sweetener sort of thing. And then he can roll up the, with his foot, he can roll up the mix knob when he wants to actually use the tremolo sound. Very I've neat. heard of people do that a lot, like use their tremolo as a quote-unquote boost. And mm-hmm. I know companies like JHS and Keeley Mods and stuff can do a mod to the Boss tremolo right. that does that. Yep. So, that, And then moving on, it's got um, a little three-way mini toggle switch for uh, wave shape, square, sign, or warble. Mm. Okay, so this sure is sort of is. replacing the hard soft switch on the on the Super Tremolo. And then a, a phase correlation micro pop, mini pop. Uh-huh. I want to know more. And then mono in, stereo out, which is very cool. Oh, okay. So the phase correlation is between the stereo outputs. So this pedal outputs true stereo and gave it a phase correlation knob so that you can throw the outputs any degree in or out of phase with each other. So you can have them ping-ponging, you can have them both up at the same time or both down at the same time or anywhere in between. Very cool. Very cool. That's some that's some trippy stuff. And there's a video here that we watched where the guy where a guy demonstrates the pedal with a few different settings, and it's like uh, I don't know, makes my head feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is we're finding this on ChicagoMusicExchange.com. Chicago Music Exchange is one of these like bigger indie shops. I mm-hmm. think that I I like to follow along with Wildwood and Pro Guitar Shop. They do a do lot of pedal demos. Really, lots of gear demos. They do really good ones too. They're really high quality, really awesome gear too. They do cool like pairings will do like a vintage 335 kind of thing with a new fuzz pedal or, or something something mm-hmm. you wouldn't really expect so this is uh this video is him playing some vintage epiphone through the super trem 2 through a silver face twin reverb and a silver face bandmaster yep. 212 very cool stuff He's got him seated on either side and uh they recorded they they their the production quality on all these videos is really really great you can get a great idea of the pedal sound unlike where i said like he he actually talks about the guitar a little bit and i couldn't care less because i don't feel like i can i'm getting a review of the guitar but i think videos can be a great way to review a pedal and in some sense a a good way to review an amp because you can hear um the different ways that it can be used um but a guitar is so much about feel that that i don't really Mm -hmm. think that um holds up as as well but Yeah, yeah i agree but this video is great the videos are great i really felt like i could I could hear the organic sound of the full tone pedals, you know, and this is a, for somebody, if you're going to pull out a stereo setup um, and you're interested in tremolo, this is, this is the coolest. I don't know how you can do better. Full tone is great. Check this out. All power to tap temp, tap tempo with speeds so slow that it takes six plus seconds to pan between the outputs or speeds in excess of 200 BPM. Wow. That's a really big, it's a fast big range foot. on that knob. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a right knob too, so I guess you could just roll the knob all the way up if you wanted that really fast speed. That would That's be a pretty a... wide range on a knob. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. All right. I'm. Oh, okay. I'm interested. Almost. We're almost this, done. This pedal, by the way, uh, is real re- retailing on Chicago Music Exchange for two hundred and thirty-one dollars and twenty cents, and I love that price. Not because it is affordable, because it's not. These pedals cost <laughs> what they're worth, but they're not. They're not cheap, but because it does not end in nine or five and it is not trying to trick anybody. <laughs> this is the price that they're selling it for. And, uh, I like them very much. I've bought pedals from Chicago music exchange before. They're a good, uh, good house. I bought pedal train mini mm-hmm. from them for my mini home pedal board, which I didn't do a rig rundown on. Oh, save it. <sighs> it's little. <laughs> so little. disappointed. All right, so speaking of being disappointed, this next pedal is $199.99. Oh, no. 
from Pro Guitar Shop. It's the Catalan Bread uh, Bell Epoch, E P O C H. It's a Echoplex three E P three uh, clone. Uh-huh. So you you don't want to be lugging around a big Echoplex because they're they're you know, big the and lug worthy. They're the size of a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a standard Stompbox size five knob pedal uh, that that is a EP3 clone. So the big thing that I wanted to talk about with this is that inside the pedal there's a dip switch that you can, uh, with the pedal disengaged, you can still be using the EP3 preamp circuit. Oh dear! So basically, like, you're taking it out of true bypass mode. Is that right. what the dip so switch is doing? It's it's kind of like my EP booster which is the same preamp, but uh-huh. just the boost section, or just the preamp section, rather. And you can have your tone run through that at all times, click it on, mm-hmm. and activate the delay. Get the juice from the, from that preamp, which is... I mean, that's that's going to be a thing that people uh, people with a lot of pedals are going to find useful, especially if you're using a lot of true bypass stuff, to have something in your chain that is either always on or isn't true bypass, but is a really high-quality buffer and preamp like that. Um, that's going to help with the impedance problems and stuff that can happen with long cable runs and a bunch of circuitry of a bunch of pedals. Right. So internal trim pod allows you to preset the gain and volume also, and the switch inside allows you to flip between true bypass and, like we were saying, to use this preamp circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do that, you get trails, which is cool too. A lot of delay pedals that have a switch for that to do that. When you switch it off, your delay finishes. Right. So if you have it set to self-oscillate, yep. which this will do, you can click it off and let it self-oscillate and play over. Uh, so <clears throat> here's the thing. I, I'm not happy with my TC flashback delay pedal. I used to have a Boss DD6, and I, which I got because for the reverse feature, the reverse delay, basically. It samples and plays back in reverse my delayed signal. Um, the boss one, when you put the mix knob all the way up, would go 100% wet. I would not hear my forward in time signal at all. The TC flashback does not do that. It'll only go up to 50-50. So I hear... Well, okay, so the way that they they talk about that mm-hmm. is that when your mix is 100%, you have 100% wet, 100% dry. Right. And so you Which always, is... through all of their mod <laughs> pedals, you always have 100% dry. If you've just defined two hundred percent as one hundred percent, then I can define one hundred percent as fifty percent. I'm just saying. Yes, that's, I, that's I understand. What they, yeah. That's how they call it. So, have you tried the tone print editor? Uh, I haven't. No. So I might be I able to that, throw the mix knob into two hundred percent mode. I think so. I yeah. think there's a thing for that. It, it's a good pedal for what it is. It has some really great modes. Uh, the tape and the analog modes sound really, really cool, and it has a true digital delay sound that's impeccable. Um, like you can't get it to do some things that like real analog style pedals would do like self oscillate and the, there's like, you have to throw it out of true bypass mode to get the trails, which of course you have to do with any delay pedal. But I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, if I had it to buy over, I might get something different. Um, now it's half as expensive as this, uh, cattle and breed, but Holy cow. Although I wouldn't get my reverse effect if I use this pedal. Yeah, I? this is a one-trick pony, and yeah. it's, like, really great at that thing. But... <laughs> it is. <laughs> the, the, the TC flashback I sort of get as a one-trick pony because I wanted a reverse delay with true bypass. I, I, didn't, I didn't like having that buffer at the end of my chain, that boss buffer screwing things up. 
I, I, didn't, I don't like the sound of the boss pedal, so I got rid of it. Um, and this TC pedal had the reverse feature. So that's basically all I really wanted to use it for. I don't really use delays besides that, especially because, and maybe I would if I had one that had a good tap tempo, but the TC does not have a good tap tempo. You have to do this dumb thing where you, you hold the button down, it mutes your signal, and then you strum in time. And it reads your tap tempo from your strumming pattern. And then you tap it again to release. So doing that in the middle of a song is, you have to write into the it's, song a long rest. Yeah. And you have to hope you do it right. And in my experience, it doesn't come out very well. So yeah. I don't like it. So here's the thing. This is interesting. So I have the TZ Flashback X4, mm-hmm. which has a tap tempo. Has a tap tempo button. Thank God. Button. A tap button. Four tone print banks, which I'm sure one of those you could store for your 200% mm-hmm. wet. Um, and it will self-oscillate. Yeah. And it's the size of a large book. Yes, smaller <laughs> than the DL4. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I, just saying, I use well, a number of different delay sounds. So, like for me, getting something that is like this Echoplex clone, or even like the the Echo Rack, or something mm-hmm. like that, those sound awesome. I love those pedals, but it's like a single sound. Right. It's that analog, sort of broken, you know, artifact-ridden sound. Um, it's very yeah, very vintage, vintage sounding. Yeah, yeah, I think I might end up. The, the thing for me, because I I have trouble with, believe it or not, I have trouble with the complicated pedals. I have trouble wanting one of those big pedals that does everything, like the X4. Um, yeah. Just it just seems like a lot to worry about when I'm playing. Um, so it, I might. I don't know. It kind of is and it isn't because it's like you've got your three presets. Yeah. I've got like a quick slapback for like that I put under solos and stuff. Mm-hmm. To give like single Stadium notes a little feel. more, right? Uh, I've got a the, the twenty two ninety, which is that uh, digital the true delay. digital. Yep. Yeah, I've got that one, and then I've got tube driven analog delay mm-hmm. sound that like the repeats get uh, like muddier and they kind of rounds off the and high ends up. and the high, yeah. high end, and then that um, compounds. And the, right, and so then it, it kind of breaks up as the delays go on. Yep. And then, you know, for some other stuff that we've been working on lately, I've been using really slow tempos with high delay volume and high feedback. Mm. So I get this, like, right about it self-oscillating. Mm. So when you plug the pedal into the tone, port, tone print editor, you can, like, turn your knobs and see what parameter it's adjusting, basically. Yeah. Stuff like the feedback knob, which is what controls self-oscillation, at say I don't know, two o'clock is a hundred percent, and then it goes more. It goes like one hundred twenty-five percent. Right. The, you know, whatever it's considering. So I don't know. I've been using that kind of stuff a lot, which is cool. Right at right at the point where it starts, but you can still hear it fade away. Yeah. I've really been liking that stuff too. Yeah. The tone, the combination of the flashback that I have and being in the studio, I could plug it right into the computer at the time that I wanted to use it and basically just manipulate it with the mouse in real time, right? Oh, totally, yeah. So it, it could just plugs be, in USB. It could be a great studio tool, just sort of a USB delay pedal that I'm programming with my mouse. Yeah, which would still sound great because mm-hmm. it's a great pedal at the end of the day. Yeah. And I remember the quote from, uh, this is from Pro Guitar Shop, yeah. So when he was doing the demo, his quote was, take it from a guy who has a real Echoplex uh, and doesn't like carrying it around. This pedal is great. Yeah. So, 
If you're unfamiliar, the Echoplex is a real tape-driven delay. Yeah, like it's, it's the, a, it's the it's famous got a tape, tape. It's the famous tape delay. It's great. Right. And the thing about the preamp circuit was guys like Jimmy Page and Stevie Ray Vaughan and whoever else kept it in their signal chain with the delay off. Right. It's oh. not just a pedal, it's an experience. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write that one down. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. Um oh, and this. Because other countdown lists aren't frustrating enough. I got this in the mail from Pro Guitar Shop the other day. The top- Can we just like <laughs> hang on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we need to we need Let's to preface wrap. this with like I have like a secret hate, not really that secret, for <laughs> top ten lists, you know, of the best strat players of all time, best you know this is the merging <laughs> of Pro Guitar Shop and BuzzFeed. This right. is and, and easy Pro to write. Shop's not bait. the only guys that do it yeah. and you know, Rolling Stone does it all the time, but all right. So anyway, that being said, that being top said, five overrated guitarists. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> so all right, let's stir up some controversy. Uh, here we have the Edge. I'm not going to read anything about this. Do you hear what happened to Bono? No. He stood too close to the Edge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, so yeah, so Pro Guitar Shop doesn't like the Edge. Who, who the hell is this? Ingve Malmsteen. Okay, well he's like neo. According to this neoclassical, he's known for his like legato, plays a strat with scalloped frets, kind of you know. Oh great! He, he's he's a shredder. He's up you know he goes on tour with like Satriani and Steve Vai and those guys. All right, Mayer. Nope. John Mayer. John Mayer. Nope. The guy's a guitar fiend. Sorry. Uh, if you I don't think care what it, you have to say about his songwriting. The man is filthy or his personal on life. Yeah, like yeah. sorry, uh, <laughs> he's great at guitar. He's not overrated. You can't overrate that much greatness. Uh, Santana, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. He seems pretty good. I, he's good, but I might agree. Okay, <laughs> he has that one song though, right? So there's that. The guy played at Woodstock. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and Jack White. Jack, you said this to me like years ago, and I still think it's very true. Jack White is really good at sounding bad. Yeah, he he really is. He's really <laughs> he's good at not. making bad sound good, though. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got some cool tones, though. I mean, he does, and he's he's got an interesting approach, and I think his whole attitude about music and playing guitar is kind of unique. But yeah, okay. If you haven't seen it, might get loud. I recommend it. He's in that. Yeah. Okay, that's enough time spent on that. So. The Nine Inch Nails issue. I listened to the new record a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Um, I think I'm still pretty sure I'm not that into Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yep. Um, Me too. I've never been. A, I've never been a big fan, but I understand. I appreciate it. what they do, and like I listened to a few songs. I listened to the whole album, but a few songs I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, oh, I get it." Yeah. And then other stuff, it was a little oh. I'm not, like, crazy about it, but it's good. It's, uh-huh. it's good. It's a good album. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'll buy it, but. Right. So, the idea here, and let me just follow the link so I have all the information in front of me, is uh, Nine Inch Nails' new album was going to come out, and uh, Trent Reznor announced that it was going to have two versions. So, there was going to be the highly compressed, super loud version that was basically the the mainstream release, 
And then another one, because he felt like he couldn't get as much bass and uh, things like that when he was trying to crush it so badly. And so he it, wanted one with more dynamic range. With more dynamic range, which allows yeah. for more bass. It, you end up having to make albums more bright, or, or at least with less really, really low sub bass um, in order to get them very loud. Because a low sub bass um, takes up a lot of sonic energy in space. Um, so you um, that that's the first thing to go. Like if you're really trying to, to squish something and get it really, really loud. So he's going to have the mainstream version and the audiophile version. And that's their word, audiophile. Uh, with, with a PH. With a PH. So... So we're all excited in the audio engineering world. We're talking about it on um, the audio mastering engineers group we have on Google. Uh, and so it comes out and, well, the yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah, it's, you know, it's I, kind I think I heard, of nicer. <laughs> I think I, I heard, listen to it on Spotify, so I must have heard the compressed version Mm -hmm. okay um the truth is after much analysis there is very very little difference the audiophile version is noticeably better to the trained ear and when you're really paying attention and if you weren't you probably wouldn't notice if i wasn't paying attention i probably wouldn't notice um, right. or if I was just listening on headphones or something, if I wasn't in my nice listening environment, I might not notice. It's a very subtle difference and it does not deserve the term audiophile. If, if you want to know more, I mean, this is, there, there's some pretty technical reasons in here. The dynamic range does get louder on some songs. The overall of the whole album, um, only changes by about a one dB. Um, some songs change by, I think, as much as 3 dB, but other songs don't change at all between the two versions. Um, hmm. And you can That's kinda, interesting. Yeah, and so it's it d- definitely like different amounts of loudness were applied to different songs. There, there's, some, uh, there's some places where Ian Shepard made this great video uh, on his website, productionadvice.co.uk. Uh, it's, I believe, still the latest post uh, on September 4th. If, if it's not, just go to uk slash nine inch nails yeah uh so he made a great video if you if you want to know more about it if you want to really dig into it where he shows you and plays for you the differences and and shows you on meters and shows you um you know just back to back like what is the difference you're hearing you can hear that there is there's more low end in the audio file version in some songs not in all the songs some of them are literally they sound exactly the same and they read the same on the meters so um and there are some places where he found that you could hear some uh, some clipping that didn't sound the same um, between the two. Like there were some guitars that were clipped, clipped sounding in in some in the the standard release um, that didn't have that sort of um, crispy clippy sound in the other one in the audiophile version. So um, this video is it's a little long. Um, it's a few minutes. Take ten or fifteen minutes out of your life if you're interested. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a kind of audiophile version. That's, I guess what we'll say a little disappointing because they built up a buzz about it. And really, you know, if we, if you say audiophile version, it, it better be at least DR 10, you know, 10 DB of dynamic range. It was definitely just DR seven instead of DR six or something. 
Um, and really, if I was going to call one of my releases the audiophile version, I would want it to be more than that, probably 12 or more. That's a big name to live up to, I think, yeah. to say it's that. And especially when that community is so strong and knows what mm-hmm. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big follower of Trent Reznor, but I've always thought he seemed like a cool guy. He had interesting things to say and interesting things to do in in the music industry. And he, um, I, I'm I'm disappointed because I when he said this, I thought he meant it. So I don't know how much is is record labels and things like that. Um, but you know, you you had your compressed version, and the other one is within a dB or two um, of the same loudness. So there's no reason to even have it, frankly. That's what I think. Okay. While we're on the topic of albums that are out, I listened to the new Queens of the Stone Age record today. Mm-hmm. I think it's called like Clockwork. For the first time, I'm like the last guy to hear it, I think. Oh, I haven't heard it. It's really good. Is it? <laughs> I was... Usually they're a band that I'm like, okay, I like that single, I like that song, they've got a cool guitar sound. This record, I was like really into the whole time. Wow, cool. So, they're doing some cool stuff. A good review. That's it, yeah. Yeah. The TLDR. <laughs> so yeah. just a couple other things, I guess. I watched this documentary a few weeks ago called Fuzz, the sound that revolutionized the world. It's, you know, a few years old at this point. Um, it's just this guy, indie filmmaker, plays guitar, did, made a documentary on the fuzz pedal. Wow. And it's just that. And it's cool. It's like, it's not the best made documentary I've ever seen, but it's <laughs> it's part of like a small kind of thing. And like, he, he goes and he talks to all these small builders and like, what they're doing about cloning pedals and uh, tone chasing and stuff like that. Um, talks to the guy at way huge, uh, the guys at death by audio, mm. some other stuff. And in between the segments, he demos all these vintage fuzz pedals, like tone benders, wow, and Fender cool. blender and stuff. It's cool. Um, I'll have to check that thing, out on off hours sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's on, uh, I watched it on Amazon prime, so yeah. you can check it out there. Um, one interesting thing they talked about was just this whole like pedal cloning thing. And like we were saying with that, that, uh, Echoplex clone, mm-hmm. people are just out there replicating. I mean, something like an Echoplex is a little different, I guess, because you don't want to carry around a real Echoplex. You want a pedal right. that it's does worth, the same job. It's worth, uh, uh, impersonating. Right. So these are things like company X has cloned the big muff and <laughs> it's exactly, it's exactly the same. But it's twice as much and is more sought after because why? Why would it be? Twi- I mean, uh, you know, just because it's like an indie builder and it's not EHX or or something like that. And God, what they were saying, I could, that I could kinda, make so much money. You just yeah. clone all kinds of things. Like the circuits are old circuits are just available on the internet. Buy the right. parts, breadboard it. You know. So, the, but they're getting into you know using all these vintage or. Uh, what do they call them? New old stock yep. parts, and they're really hard to find and whatever. Okay, big deal. Um, I guess. Have you heard of gooping pedals? No. Gooping circuits. Oh, oh, it's like, is this where we put a uh, 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 opaque silicone over the circuit? Right, black opaque silicone yep. over the whole circuit, so nobody and can copy. There's it. like, there's this big conspiracy. Like, okay, people do that for international shipping because. Sometimes things can get damaged, I guess. I don't know. It sounds a little uh, weak to me. <laughs> if your soldering uh, work is going to get damaged by international shipping, you've got bigger problems than putting yeah. silicone all over your wiring. So the, there's these two like points of view on it. It's, I made this awesome fuzz pedal, and I don't want you to steal my circuit. Mm-hmm. Or, 
I secretly cloned the Big Muff, and I don't want you to know. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, so one more thing before we get out of here. Yes. Um, nose pedals, um, which is this like one guy, I think, just making pedals. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think he basically started with expression pedals, which I have one of. Uh, it's like not an expression pedal in how you would think of like a wah pedal shape or a volume pedal shape. It's just a small enclosure with a knob on it, mm-hmm. and some of them have a switch, so there's all these different combinations and so on. Usually used for, uh, people use them a lot for delay parameters and stuff like that. Uh, he, so he's gotten into building other things, such as um, true bypass loopers. Uh, he's now making fuzz pedals, uh, like a silicone fuzz and a germanium fuzz. It's making an Octaver, like an Octavia clone kind of thing. A clone, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, a handyman switch, which is just an expression switch, which will do whatever you want. Oh, wow. Oh, you hear the, th- hear the thunder? I think Rock I did. over here. Yeah. Um, and he's got this other one, a, a, a Voltalizer, which is a sag knob, just in a little tiny enclosure. Ah. So you can, it's one of these big knobs you can turn with your foot so you can vary the voltage like on the fly. Wow. So you put that in line with your power supply. Right. Cool. So he's doing this cool thing uh, called the Pick Your Nose Pedal Tour. Did you sign up? I signed up. I I didn't. Do I need... Okay. I I thought between, you know, with with one of us doing... Explain it. This is how it goes. So he's building all these other pedals now. Like expression pedals are expression pedals, and you can kind of get an idea how that would work on your rig. But these are... Uh, fuzz pedals and things like that. So what he's doing is you submit your name and and all the and occupation and what you do and why you're into guitars and why you're into pedals and what you want to try from of, of his of, with of course a credit card on file. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sends it to you for a week and you you play it through your rig. You put it on your board and you try it and you play it for a week. Yep. And so what you do then is when you receive the pedal you have received it from somebody else who previously had it. And then after your seven days, you send it to somebody else on the list. You don't send it back to the company. You just send it to the next guy who's going to try it. Or gal. Who's going to try it. Human. <laughs> so what uh, the idea is, like, you have this pedal for a week, and it's, like, part of your rig. You can really get to know it. Instead of just watching video demos and reading reviews and trying stuff. Trying it out in a store. I, trying it out in a store with stuff that's not really yours. Yeah. You know, oh, I play a Strat. Here's a Strat. It's not really the same. Whatever. So there's all these cool incentives. Um, you get 5% off for even just joining. Like, just being part of the tour, you get 5% off a purchase. So if you like it and you're like, I want it, you get 5% off. And he's already got your credit card on file. That's what that's right, because, for. Because if you keep it, they're just going to, you're just going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that happens. Oh, and you do have to pay shipping, which is like five or six bucks, but it's kind of worth it yeah. in my book. 10% off uh, for posting pictures uh, of you and the pedal on Instagram, you know, Twitter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Put, you know, this is it on my board. Oh, it's so neat. 15% off uh, for video. So if you post your own video demo, you 15% off your order, which is wicked. Cool. So I'm thinking of doing that, mm-hmm. you know, trying it out in my board in a few different places and, and doing a quick demo. So if, if this sounds like something you might want to do, and anybody can do it, you can just kind of be a guy like me who has a day job and plays guitar at night and, you know, yeah, what, whatever, 
but you want to try out some real gear, some real cool handmade gear, you can. So you sign up for free uh, to the Pick Your Nose Pedal Tour, nosepedal.com. You'll see all about it. So we're going to sign up. I've signed up. We'll get you to sign up soon. So yeah. hopefully, ideally, like I'll play it or you'll play it, and then we'll send it to you or me so we can Yeah, whichever. Or we can, we can each try out a different one, too, and um, That's true. we can get a couple of reviews going. There's no reason. We have right. to both try them both out, you know. Um, and guess, then we can yeah, put both reviews cool on the show. Exactly. So that's that's something which will hopefully get started soon. Um, he just does these cool designs, I think. Um, yeah, he's done the artwork, so the switch is the nose, and there's usually right, a face kind of the, involved. Yeah. So I just mean like designs of pedals in general. Oh. Like, so he's got this... <laughs> <laughs> he's got this um, silicone fuzz pedal. It's got two switches. One's an on-off, clearly, and the other's a bass boost. Which you don't really see on that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Intrigued. Little stuff like little stuff like that. I just think I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, that's really nice. Uh, neat. Yeah. Any combination you could want of like delay mm-hmm. uh, expression on a switch. You know, for these big pedals like the DL4 and the TCX4, um, you can kind of expand your preset territory. With yeah. Them. And he makes a he makes a volume pedal that's uh, similar in concept to. Uh, the kind of thing that I made too, yes. a switchable, um, switchable uh, volume knob, basically. And I don't know if his has anything fancy in it. I put a little bit of, uh, worked out some tone shaping stuff, so so it kind of uh, is my own little thing. But I don't know what his has in it. Yeah, but that basically the design is a knob as a volume pedal instead of a, a foot manipulatable pedal so to speak, you can still sort of turn it, like we keep saying. These big plastic knobs yeah. that you can get at Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. So, um, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. So let's so, call it off, right? Yeah, whatever. So I guess uh, let's, <laughs> whatever. we'll bring it back to the top. I mean, yeah. if you have uh, a suggestion for topics or show topics or, or talking points, mm-hmm. or heck, if you want to be on the show, yeah. Drop us a line. Uh, if you want to, if you have a pedal that you love, uh, do a do a demo of it, and uh, we can maybe we can put that in the show too. I don't yeah, know. And, yeah. Just, send us send us the info about it. We'll 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 talk to you and we'll we'll make it happen. Yeah, I think I think we should be able to get a, a cool little community going. Just gear that's related to this sort of thing, and people who want to talk about it can talk about it. Yeah. So it's like it's yeah. the stuff of making music. Hmm. You know, but that's what we're here to talk about. So I mm-hmm. think you get the picture. I mean, so yeah. So so send us what you got. ToneControlShow at gmail.com yep. ToneControlShow.com at DL Heideman at JN Tracks on Twitter. Yep, and everywhere else. Thanks. I'm Justin Newton. I'm Derek Heideman. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>